Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity. Stories of perseverance. Stories of accomplishments. And maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez. And I want to hear your story. And welcome everyone to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. I am your host, Dave DT Martinez, and uh, this is episode 149. Uh, it is Memorial Day, the release of this episode. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, a great time to uh, remember and honor those that gave their life to protect um, us here in the U.S., to protect our freedoms. Um, so don't forget to, uh, you know, honor them and remember them for their sacrifices, um, for the privilege that we have, uh, to live in this country. But Memorial Day is also sort of kind of like the unofficial start of summer. And it doesn't happen. The, uh, the official start isn't for a few more weeks in, in June. Like I think it's like June 20th or 21st. Usually it's somewhere around then, but, uh, you know, Memorial Day, you know, at this point, you know, everyone's either out of school or soon out of school and, you know, it's uh, starts summer, so vacations, travel, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, if you're running out there, you're feeling it. I know I am. I have uh, been uh, training in the heat and experiencing the humidity. We've had those showers kind of come in in the middle of the day, in late afternoons. And yeah, you feel it in the morning, had some very foggy mornings as well due to that humidity, and it does make it a little bit uh, more difficult to run. And uh, with that, you know, I just say, you know, uh, you got to hydrate, you got to make sure that you're taking some fluids with you, um, whether you're using uh, just plain water. Uh, or whether you're using some other form of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, sports type drink, uh, like electrolytes, my preferred is tailwind or scratch. Um, they provide the, the, uh, necessary, uh, electrolytes and carbs that I need when I'm training, especially for longer distances. So, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, I typically will run with, uh, especially if I'm running over six miles, I'm going to carry a bottle, uh, and uh, since I'm training for longer distances, I'm always wearing now a hydration pack because most of my miles are uh, 10 miles and up. So I need to carry something with me that will carry uh, a good amount of, of fluids or uh, plan your routes to where you can you know, make uh, loops and refill uh, water at either, whether it's back at your car or your home, or you're um, going by a, um, a convenience store and you can stop in and, and pick up some water. So, you know, carry, uh, you know, uh, your uh, you know, bank card with you, uh, pack what you need or, you know, your phone or whatever, your Apple Pay, and make sure you're able to get the fluids that you need because uh, it's, it's going to make it a lot harder for you uh, without the fluids. It's going to affect your muscles and your tendons and just make things a little bit tighter. It's also going to hurt your recovery, you know, so make sure that even after you're, you're done running that you're taking in plenty of fluids because your body needs that for recovery. Uh, you know, you'll end up being really tight. You could potentially cause some injuries and, you know, pull muscle, muscle strain and things like that because uh, they're tight and not, they're not properly hydrated. So make sure you're doing that. All right, so today's episode, um, really, it's, uh, you know, uh, his, his name is Martinez Evans, um, and it, he's, uh, 
you know, came across him, uh, you know, his name because he's uh, about to release a book. It is called uh, Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. Now, Slow AF, some people uh, probably think they know what that means. But according to uh, Martinez, it is the F stands for fat. So it's slow as fat run club. So he's a gentleman that he's got a, a, a unique story and we talk about how he got into running. Uh, at this point, he's you know, run, I believe, over eight marathons. He's worked with a lot of different brands. Uh, he's a global ambassador for Adidas. He's worked with Nike, Hoka, Saucony, Mizuno, the CDC Foundation. He's even been on the cover of Runner, Runner's World magazine. Now, this is a, a gentleman who uh, at the point uh, at, when he started running, he was 300 pounds. And for the most part, he's still right there around 300 pounds. It's not like he, this is a story of, of weight loss um, or anything like that. I mean, um, you know, his story came about because his doctor said, you know, he was going to die and simply because of his weight and, you know, uh, sort of kind of out of spite and just not being not liking the way the doctor kind of talked to him. He proclaimed that he was going to run a marathon. And so that's kind of what he did. But the problem is, and I, and I, and I see this, especially, you know, being in part of this world and working in a running store and looking at a lot of different training programs, is that most training programs are catered to individuals that, you know, are maybe beginner runners, but at the same time, you know, they're geared more towards people that are smaller in size. They're not geared for people in bigger bodies. You know, and um, and so he couldn't find the resources to train for even his first 5K because most of them are based on time and assuming that most people can run at least a 10 to 12 minute mile. And in doing so, a 5K, you know, couch to 5K program would have him running maybe to the max 30, 40 minutes. And for him, it's a lot, it took him a lot longer. You know, he was running, uh, you know, maybe 15, 16 minute miles. And so it, it, the training program couldn't get him to a 5K distance. So he started kind of looking into, you know, finding, uh, you know, uh, resources and trying to even develop his, him becoming a resource for others based on his experience to, for people that wanted to run, not necessarily to lose weight, but people that just wanted to experience running or to accomplish something like a marathon or even a 5K to get them across that finish line without necessarily saying you have to lose weight. You have to be look a certain way. You have to be a certain size. You have to dress a certain way. Um, and the experience that he kind of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, learned along the way through his journey, you know, things like chafing and other things that, you know, a lot of these, you know, training programs don't really talk about, and especially for individuals that are, you know, a larger size. Like if you weigh 300 pounds, where are you buying, you know, your clothes? Where are you buying your running shorts and, and your shoes? Or, you know, how do you talk about chafing between your thighs? And so these are things that he's kind of going into, but also through his book. And I think it applies not only for individuals in larger bodies, but I think for really anyone is just that mental aspect of running. It is hard, especially when you start talking about longer distances like a marathon. Mentally, how do you prepare yourself? What do you do to kind of overcome maybe even the boredom of runs? We talked a little bit about that because I myself have, you know, bailed out of runs because I just get bored of it. I, mean, I enjoy running, but, you know, 
how many times can you run a loop? How many times do you want to go out there and like, oh man, it's like a three hour, you know, run or something like that. It's like, you get bored. You want to like, ah, 245 is enough, you know, or 230 is enough. That's close enough to, to three. That's more than half. I should be good. So we don't really prepare ourselves. So, you know, how do we get um, past that mental barrier, that mental wall that, you know, allows us to quit, you know, probably before we, we should. So, he, we talk about this book. We talk about, you know, the book will be released um, here on uh, the day before Global Running Day. So, you know, just within a few days of the release of this episode. So perfect timing to have him on, on the podcast. Um, but he's consulted, like I said, with a lot of different companies like Nike, Hoka, Saucony, Mizuno, um, because he's trying to educate these brands about these other individuals that are interested in this sport in participating in this lifestyle, but that don't necessarily look like the people that you would see in a Nike ad, you know, or for that matter, Runner's Roll magazine. The fact that he made it on the cover just shows that things are changing, that people are, you know, these media outlets and companies are starting to be a little bit, you know, maybe more accepting of what that ideal, and I'm putting the ideal here in air quotes. If you could, you know, if, if you could see me, you 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 would see that. So I'm telling you, is that you know there is no ideal, uh, you know, way a runner looks. And I've had people come up to me and say, "Oh, you look like a runner, or you look like a cyclist, or whatever," um, based on the activity that I'm doing. But not everyone fits that mold. So we had this conversation. It was very interesting to talk to him. You know, he's run eight marathons. That's more than I've done. That's twice as many. I've only done four. Um, but um, you know, he wants to inspire, educate, and he wants to celebrate the grit and grind of runners at the back of the pack. And that's truly, I think, what we're seeing these days is more and more people coming into the sport that are, you know, uh, maybe older, maybe that are just starting to discover, you know, maybe because of the pandemic and having maybe a little bit more free time, just starting to want to become a little bit more active. And so we are a welcoming community of runners and, and, and just fitness enthusiasts. But we also have to, you know, know that, you know, there are people of different sizes and abilities, and we have to accommodate. And I will actually, I'll, I'll take that back. Not necessarily accommodate, but make sure that they are welcome. That a that they're not forgotten. That at the because they may be at the back of the pack, that doesn't diminish, you know, um, their accomplishments, and that they should have maybe the same type of resources available to any of us um, that maybe are in the middle or even front of the pack. So we uh, talked to uh, Martinez Evans about this. Uh, it, it was a great conversation. He would actually be in town um, uh, because he's uh, an ambassador for uh, Adidas. Uh, and Adidas is the sponsor for with the Atlanta Track Club and the Peachtree Road Race. He will be in town for the Peachtree Road Race. So um, he will probably have, uh, don't know the schedule yet. He may have some scheduled uh, time at the expo that if you want to talk to him, I'm sure he'll have a book signing there. And we talk a little bit at the end, you know, potentially of him coming in the store and doing something with us as well, just to, you know, share his uh, thoughts and kind of, you know, promote his book, but, you know, just really kind of get a different perspective from running from other individuals that maybe don't look what we would typically picture as the average runner. So we'll have that conversation right after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, 
previous injuries and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiast, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear, we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our nine Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCompany.com to learn more. And welcome back. So I am excited to have uh, Martinez Evans uh, here uh, with us on uh, on the podcast today. So uh, he has uh, he's run eight over eight marathons. So he's a marathon runner, a certified running coach, uh, an award winning speaker who helps plus size people get active without a focus on weight loss. Um, he's a, a native of Detroit, Michigan, the founder of Slow AF Run Club, an online community that inspires educates and celebrates grit and grind of runners uh, that are at the back of the pack. And he's also an author. And that's what we're here to talk about. He's got a book coming out called Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. So welcome, Martinus. Dave, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so, you know, I've got a preview of the book. So when exactly is the book's release day? I believe it's like, is it in June? June 6th, the day before Global Running Day. Okay, excellent. Well, the timing's perfect. I, I guess that wasn't by accident. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, man. <laughs> well, perfect, perfect marketing there. Um, so yes, we'll definitely, this episode will be out before then, so everyone should know about that, and we'll share the links as to where they can get it. Um, and um, so this book... Um, you know, let's start out with your journey because, you know, uh, you know, we got a copy in, in, of, of your first chapter and read through it and man, it just, it, there's so many things that, that I can relate to. And I think many of our listeners and other runners can relate to, because I think we, we've all had uh, a very similar type of journey. Um, you know, I think, you know, for myself, I was that fat kid at one point. So to, you know, and even a couple episodes ago, we had someone else who also used the term fat to describe themselves. And it was a new way of me looking at that because for me, I always thought that as a, almost like a, a negative word, a bad word, something I didn't, I would not want to be associated with uh, or, or uh, you know, uh, as an adjective to describe myself um, and, so now I've become a little bit you know, more used to the term being used as a way of describing it, whether, you know, tall, short is just a descriptive term, then you've done the exact same thing. So reading, you start off, you, you know, your book um, with a, basically the quote that you got when you went to your doctor and it says, Mr. Evans, you're fat. You have two options, lose weight or die. So tell us how that journey started. What got, you know, you know, what got you, you know, to decide and motivate you or, you know, fire up that, 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 that desire to say, yes, I'm going to do something differently and, and take care of my health. Yeah, Dave. So to even back up a little bit before that, so I was working at men's warehouse. I was on my feet eight to 10 hours a day, sometimes a little bit more in commission sales. So you work at a, you, you run a shoe store, you yep. know what like commission sales look like, right? Being on your feet all hours of the day, you know, it's the phrase of like, you eat what you kill. So mm -hmm. you're on, you're on the floor, you're there, but I'm on my feet. I'm in these hard bottom shoes um, and on concrete floors. And so I, I, I just add that a little bit as we started to like, think about that of being on your feet 12 hours a day, like, hustling and having that in the back of your mind as I go throughout this whole doctor store. So I started to develop some hip issues, wearing these hard bottom shoes, walking on concrete for eight to 10 hours a day, sometimes a little bit more. And I went to go see a doctor. So 
Uh, doctor recommended me to go see an orthopedic surgeon. We'll go see the orthopedic surgeon. This is my first time even meeting this doctor. Um, so I get there. I'm sitting down. And he's like, you know, so you're in pain. You have some hip, hip issues. I'm like, yeah. You know, and I start to go down the rundown of like, hey, I work this job. I'm on my feet a lot. I used to play football in college and high school. So, you know, just trying to get him ramped up before he goes in to tell me, like, what he think his prognosis is. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting there. He's like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And and then he goes, well, Mr. Evans, I know why you in pain. Okay, why? Like, you ain't put a stethoscope on me. You ain't touched me or nothing. And, like, that's when he went into this whole run of, like, you're fat. You either need to lose weight or die. Wow. So it was a shocking thing because I'm there to figure out what's going on with my hip. I'm on my feet, like I said, eight to 10 hours a day, moving and shaking. If you've ever been on the sales floor, you know how it's it's a constant moving, especially when you're dealing with multiple customers, going in the back, try, having people try on shoes, shoes and things of that sort. So I was kind of taken aback of, he don't even know who I am. He don't even know my background. And yeah, I might be a plus size man, but I'm on my feet multiple days at multiple times of the day. So he says, you're fat. You need to lose weight or die. And then he goes on this whole thing of like, you have a stomach as a pregnant woman and all this other stuff. That's really just trying to belittle me. Yeah. And I got fed up. I got irritated. I got, I got irritated. I got angry. And, you know, I said something to him that was, well, for me, I thought was facetious, but that really changed my life. And, you know, I was like, he was like, you know, you need to start walking on the treadmill or on the track Start with one lap, all this other stuff. Be it I or I work at a job where I'm on my feet eight to ten hours a day. Right. So I remember saying to him, like, screw you. Like, if I if I wanted to run a marathon, I can. And he laughs at me and tells me, you know, you run a marathon, that's the most stupidest thing I heard in all of my years of practicing medicine. If you run a marathon, you will die on that course. So again, he don't know nothing about me. This is the first time I'm ever meeting them and things of that sort. So we go into this argument because you're not going to talk. I deal with people all day. <laughs> yeah. I deal with a customer service based job at that time. So I deal with people all day. I deal with difficult people all day, but you're not going to talk to me any type of way. And you're providing a service to me. So we have this argument. I stormed out the doctor's office and on my way home, I, I, I rolled past a, a running shoe store and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to run a marathon today. Ran it. I did not know how long a marathon was at, the, <laughs> at that moment, but that's a whole nother thing. But yeah. I, I, I I went to the running shoe store. They gave me a gait analysis and I got shoes and I got on the treadmill and failed miserably. So like that was the, the start of my journey. Kind of all happened in the same day. And yeah, that, that was, that was pretty much the, the start of my journey and how, I got it and got into all of this. Well, I mean, the, uh, you know, I guess what they didn't teach him in medical school was bedside manners, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, uh, man, I was like, you know, in the book you said you, you restrained yourself or you had this uh, desire to lunge at him and I could see yeah. why, um, I, you know, at least you, you gave me a little bit more details there because yeah, I would, I would think that he at least examined you, ran some tests, maybe some blood work or something like that. And based on that, he gave you, you know, basically said, "Hey, you know, you, you're you're fat and 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 you need to lose weight." But mm-hmm. for him just to do a blanket statement, just at first sight, 
without knowing anything or doing any tests or even kind of like, well, where's the pain occurring or anything like that, or even trying to get some symptoms to see how to address them. Uh, yeah, that, that I, I, I would be angry as well. I think I would be upset. I think anyone would, um, regardless of, you know, of, you know, of their size or anything. If a doctor just came in and made a blanket statement, just based on a physical appearance, I think I, I would be upset. And I think everyone else would be as well. Um, Absolutely. So let me ask you this, you know, because, you know, did you ever go back to that doctor uh, after you ran your marathon? Absolutely not. By then I had moved to a whole different city. Okay. I would, I would have, at, I would have, you know, and maybe that's me being a little bit petty. And so you're, you're a much better man than I am. Um, <laughs> but I would come back with that finisher's medal and just say, see, I'm not dead, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, so it, it's interesting because, you know, I, you know, I, I had uh, a very similar experience, um, you know, prior to doing what I was doing, you know, what I'm doing now and working in, in running uh, and, and run specialty, I worked in television and in news primarily. And it's very similar, I think, to retail, a very busy environment. You eat whatever you can eat. It's news, it's 24 seven and you're eating junk food. So I ended up putting on a lot of weight and, and not being healthy. And it was 2008, I ended up losing my job. My contract came up to an end and they decided not to renew uh, my contract right when you know, the economy was tanking. And you know, I decided, all right, I'm gonna work from home, freelance. And at that point, I always said that my excuse for not being in better shape was I didn't have the time. And so at that point I said, well, now I've got no excuse. I've got all the time in the world because I'm my own boss. I can make my time, you know, and schedule whatever time I want. And so I decided to go to a running store and it was our running store that I work for now, uh, Big Pitch Running Company, and got fitted for shoes and went running with a group that night. And that sort of kicked off my journey in running because prior to that, I was running off and on. Like I would run, do a race, and I'm like, that's it. It sucks. I hate running. And I would take 10 years off from running, you know? Um, and there's a, and, and we'll get into that as well, because you talk about mindset and all that. And now it's, that's part of it as well. And that's the reason why I think I gave up running so, so often. Um, but uh, I think everyone has a similar type of journey or some similar type of experience. Um, I guess sorry because I was, uh, I guess that was that uh, late, you know, bloomering coming into running and discovering um, because I didn't know, that it requires work, it requires dedication, it requires commitment. So, um, so let's go back to your story. So you decide, you, you know, you didn't realize what a marathon was. I think a lot of people make that mistake at first um, because it's like, oh, I went and ran a marathon this weekend, you know, and maybe they're referring to a 5K or whatever the distance may be, but a lot of people refer to a marathon as just going out for a run. Um, I think anyone that at this point you know, that has been running for a while probably knows, but you know, that's, that's okay. That's part of the learning process. Um, so, you know, you got fitted for shoes. What was your journey there? You got shoes and obviously it wasn't easy. What was the next step? What was it, you know, where, how did you then get to that 26.2 miles? Um, very, very methodically. Um, so what I mean by that is that, um, I'm, by just by nature, I'm a very methodical person. So um, as I was at the running shoe store, they told me about Couch to 5K. It was like, oh, you can download an app. You can do that. 
So I download five Couch to 5K apps, and then I'm nitpicking. So it's like, oh, I don't like this voice. I don't like this training plan, so on and so forth. So I go through the journey, do Couch to 5K, uh, completed Couch to 5K, and then found out, like, um, this this is one of the one of the first things I found out that the running industry wasn't necessarily built for people like myself and potential individuals that might come to your store. Couch to 5K ended at week eight, day three or day four with run 30 minutes. Congratulations, you ran a 5K. Mm. So I don't know about you, but I, I did the math. That's a little bit faster than a 10-minute mile. Yep. So I wasn't running a 10-minute mile. And that was like one of the first hurdles of my journey of this thing is expecting me to run 10-minute miles or faster than a 10-minute mile, and I can't. And you're talking about congratulations. Yeah. So from that point on, I had to um, learn like what made sense for me because I had these running books, you know, I had these apps and none of the stuff was with myself in mind. Mm -hmm. So throughout that process, you know, um, uh, I eventually run a 5k after adding on more time for myself and being like, okay, well, this is how fast I am running. This is what I need to, to get there. Like, and kind of re reverse engineering where like how they was coming up with the plan to kind of like add on additional three to four weeks in order for me to actually run a 5k. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, it was the same thing. I ran a 5k, um, half on ran a bunch of other 5ks and then i was like you know what i think i'm ready for a 10k ran a 10k or trained to run a 10k had a bunch of fun run a bunch of other 10ks and then went from there went from that to a half marathon ran a half marathon by then it was about the end of the year and january 1st 2013 um detroit marathon opened up their registration I don't know. I got an ad or something for it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. Like, this would be a good marathon to run. I'm originally from Detroit. Um, I can, you know, I don't have to worry about spending too much money. My fans, friends and family that I grew up with can see me or cheer me on. So I signed up then. And I took from January all the way up until October, you know, training a little bit at the time, running five shorter distances. So five Ks, 10 Ks. And just continue to like slowly build up um, from where where I was at, and continue to train until I ran that five, uh, until I ran that marathon. So you went uh, for so for your marathon, you did like a ten month training program, more or less. Okay, um, because I mean, and and you know, looking at most marathon programs, I think they're anywhere from sixteen to maybe eighteen weeks. I think tops mm -hmm. for like the average person. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, um, as you said, they're not designed for, uh, they're designed for more people that, you know, or maybe already have a base, maybe you're already a, a little bit faster. Um, and I think, you know, as someone who, uh, you know, occasionally gets people, you know, you know, come to me and asking for advice and for training and, and especially when they're first getting started. Because I remember, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was out running, you know, um, you know, out around Stone Mountain, which is a local park here. 
And there was a gentleman who was coming up from behind. And he was, I mean, you, I could hear him breathing, you know, and he was trying to catch up to me. And, you know, he made a comment like, well, how do you do it? How you, you know, and my advice to him was, you know, it wasn't really anything about patient. I think it was like, you just got to add a little bit at a, at a time, just extend your, your, your time each and every single time until you build up. You know, is that kind of the approach that you use? Is that a good way of kind of doing it? Um, you know, because I know, like you said, there's, you know, they're kind of saying, oh, it's a 10 minute mile for a, a, a you know, cash to 5k, but someone may be running slower. So without looking at pace, is that more of like just increase your time um, little by little, you know, until you start feeling stronger, more comfortable. Is that a good approach? Is that the best advice you would give someone who's maybe just starting out? Um, even if it, they've been running for a while, but they're going to that, you know, um, you know, longer distance, whether it's a half marathon, a marathon. What, what are your yeah, thoughts? More or less. Yeah, more or less. I, I, was, I would say that's it is um, what I usually tell the people I coach is that you got to be consistent and persistent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, running is a struggle of the mind. And running is a very monotonous thing. And one of the things that you're going to need to do is outlast the boredom that comes with training. Um, So, yes, slowly increasing, doing a little bit more each time. Um, It's definitely some of the things that I I recommend for individuals as well. But also knowing that that mindset also has to come into play because a lot of people don't necessarily talk about that. Because running is hard. (laughs) For most people, if you're just getting off the couch, running is hard. Like, you're going to have bones and muscles and tendons that hasn't been worked out in a while start to hurt. And then people are instantly like, nope, running is not for me. That's exactly my story. (laughs) And, you know, my thing is really helping people to provide them with psychological safety to understand the difference of, Discomfort and pain. Mm-hmm. Discomfort, you can work through discomfort. You might not like it. It might be uncomfortable, but you can do it. Now, pain, that's a totally different thing. And I think for a lot of beginner runners, they mistake discomfort for pain. Right. When it could just be, dang, I haven't did this in a very long time. Like, this sucks. Um, I need to continue to work through it and give my body time to adjust to this new thing that I'm doing versus being like, well, I ran. Now my knee is sore or now now my hip is sore. This is bad for me. I'm not going to do it. Right, right. One of the things that you said that that I know that I have struggled with in the past and I know I will continue to struggle is you said the boredom that comes with training because that's typically where I end up you know, cutting a workout short or a run short is because I end up getting bored and I'm like going, you know what, you know, there's, there, I, I could be working on this one project. I've got this to do. I could be cleaning the house. And, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, if I cut my run short, I can work on these other things. And I've, I've heard the term micro quitting. Uh, and that's sort of kind of what this kind of is. You sort of kind of find excuses to, to quit. And I think a lot of that comes from, for me, at least it's, it's boredom. It's like I'm out there, I'm like, all right, well, I've got a two-hour training run. Well, an hour and 15 minutes is probably good, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, how do you combat that? How do you coach someone or tell someone to, you know, continue to push through that boredom um, so that they can achieve the results that they're, um, you know, uh, looking to get? Uh, one of the things I ask them is that at the beginning is, is to, to make a commitment. 
not to myself, but to themselves, right? The commitment that you are going to give your uh, best effort at least 90% of the um, that, that that's that's the first thing is to provide that commitment because this, this is the thing uh, motivation is 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 as far as that people tell you of like oh you got to be motivated it is not that it's the commitment and the consistency that comes along with it so yes it's gonna suck you got to brace the suck and to figure out things to make it less toler you know to make it more tolerable but if you have a goal these are the steps you have to do to get there. Now, if you don't want to do those steps, then maybe you need to think, rethink what your goal is. Right. Because it's certain things you just can't, you just, you can't mess around with. You cannot fake a marathon. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can't fake marathon training. Now you can get off the couch and maybe BS a 5k, maybe even a 10k. But when you start getting around 10 digit mileage, you're gonna have to train, and and that's something I have to tell people. Like no filter, you're gonna have to train. You're gonna have to train, and there's no if ands or buts around it. I wish I can give you some um, some, some tips and tricks, but it's literally you're gonna have to go through this and embrace the suck and rely on your consistency to take you through the moments when you feel like you're gonna quit or you're like, yo, I'm bored. I don't want to do this no more. This is when you have to rely on your consistency and and celebrate that, yo, I am doing this on a consistent basis and celebrate that versus being like, oh man, this suck. You know, another quote that I always tell my the people I train is that the celebration is in the application. So the celebration is not that you like finished or crossed the finish line. Like, yes, that's a that's an amazing goal that you accomplished. But the celebration comes when you actually applied yourself to actually do that. Right. How many people sit on a couch and be like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then boom, that idea just floats into the ether and nothing becomes of it. So you need to celebrate yourself along the way to say, you thought I'm going to do this. And then you actually got off the couch to take the next steps. And that should be celebrated versus waiting all the way to the end of the race to, to, to celebrate the whole all across the finish line. Yeah, I just had someone else uh, on the podcast who uh, you know is a, is a life coach and 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 uh, and you know she said something along the same lines because we're talking about a race that I've got coming up and she asked me you know well what kind of emotions that you know what, you know would I feel what you know when I cross that finish line obviously I said you know well, obviously I you know joy and and pride and she's like there's no reason to wait to the end to exactly. cross the finish line. She goes, you can do that along the way. Every time you go out for a training run, every time you complete something, you should feel proud. You feel should feel that joy. Um, and it's something that never occurred to me. I always thought that it was something that you had to wait to the end, that the end was a reward. And it's, you know, the, that journey, that training and all that should also be part of that. And it's sort of kind of, you know, reframes some things for me. And, and, you know, and maybe that's what sort of kind of happened to me as I'm, you know, this year as I've kind of gone through some stuff because, you know, some of the races that I've done, some of the things I've done have been challenging, but I never felt you know, defeated. I never got into those dark places um, because, you know, we'll get into this part of your book as well because I, you know, there's, you know, when you were talking about your first marathon and and, and the bus story, you know, you had those kind of like the two voices on your shoulder, right? You know, kind of, 
you know, that's that dark place where it's like, nope, you, you can quit. You know, I'm never going, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And I think it's sort of kind of having that mindset to go, this is part of it. This is part of the journey. You know, there's not, not there isn't anything negative and I can get through this. As you said, we can get through dis- discomfort. And, and I think it's being, knowing that there will be discomfort, expecting it, and you sort of kind of train, you know, through that discomfort so that when you ha- experience on race day, it's nothing new. It's, it's something familiar. You kind of already know. It's like, yep, this is exactly how I felt at mile 19, you know, on that training run. This is exactly where I need to be. Um, so let's talk about don't get on the bus because I, you know, I, you know, my first marathon was here in Atlanta and it is a hilly course. You know, I, you know, I loathe Atlanta marathons for that, you know, because it's, they're hard. Anything in, in Atlanta and Georgia is hilly and it's hard. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> I take, I take pride in finishing and accomplishing something so difficult because it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's tougher than I, I would say a, 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 an easier marathon. But I remember having a similar conversation um, at around mile, you know, 20 and 21. And I didn't have the bus coming up, you know, uh, you know, alongside me because I wasn't, you know, that far back, but I did have pace groups, you know, passing me. And I was like, and my goal was to be ahead of those pace groups. And then they started kind of passing me. And I'm like, well, if I can keep them within eyesight, then I'll be good. And I, and I started feeling that discomfort, that pain. And then another one would come by. And at a certain point, it just got to the point where like, I don't care about time because of course, my first one, I wanted to have a great time, you know, and not a great time as in an experience, but I was looking for a fast time. And that's a mistake that I made. And I tell people, you know, for the first marathon, don't worry about the time. You know, as far as a finish time, it has to be about the experience. And so I, I was like, I crossed and I was like, man, I was like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And someone asked me when I, when I crossed, like, so when's, when are you signing up for your next one? And I was like, Right now is not the time to ask me that question. <laughs> so let's get to your story and, and tell us about the don't get on the bus because like I said, I relate to it so much and I think others will as well. Yeah, so don't get off the bus. So I am at the first, my first marathon and initially I was having a ball. I was high-fiving people. I was cheering. I was doing all the things, right? And then I came along this guy and... He, he, you can see as I was coming up on him, you can see like the the the, the defeat coming in his head because like his shoulders are slumped. He had to put his head down. Mm-hmm. And if you ever ran a race, like you already know what that means. Like this person is done mentally. Mm-hmm. So I just did something that I wish somebody would have done for me. So I went next to him. I was like, hey man, like you got this. Like I'll run with you. Um, like what's your name? Just trying to talk with him, trying to lift his spirits up. And he was like, you know what? Like, I know what you're trying to do, but I am done. So he waves down this bus, which now I, I, I know to be the sag wagon or the paddy wagon or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. right? It's the, 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 the bus in the back of the race that picks up people who've been injured, hurt, quit, whatever, right? Yep. And he gets on this bus. So I continue to run him. And then about a mile later, this bus comes back. He pulls alongside of me. And, you know, he looks at me and say, hey, big man, you, you doing all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. And then he was like, do you want to ride to the finish line? And I stopped and I paused for a second. I was like, that don't make sense. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm good. I'm okay. 
And then, you know, during that time, I was maybe around mile 20, mile 21, 22. And he came upon me again. And my, my pace had never slowed. You know, I hit the wall. Uh, I remember somebody handing me like some Jolly Ranchers and be like, thank you for running this race. And me being like, thank you for these Jolly Ranchers because I didn't know what <laughs> I was going to do. And the bus came alongside of me again. And same thing. Window rolls down. And he's like, hey, big man. Want to ride to the finish line? And, you know, it's the second time, but I was still confused. Like, no, I'm all right. And then mile after mile after mile, he kept, kept coming alongside of me and, like, trying to get me to get into this bus. And during that moment, you know, there's one thing where your mind is already playing tricks on you. So it's the first marathon. Things on me, on my part of my body that that I've never thought would hurt, would hurt. Like my jaw and teeth was hurting wow. from running this waist. <laughs> I didn't think my jaw and teeth would be hurting, but that was hurting running this race. And yes, you, you, at that point, like your mind is playing tricks on you. My body, like my heart is telling me, yes, keep going. But my mind is like, you're in pain. Stop. Like, you know, this will all go away if you just get in this bus. And mile 25 comes and uh, a bike comes alongside of me. And he's like, hey, man, do you know where you at? I was like, the finish line. And he's like, well, you got less than a mile to go. Keep going. So the bike goes. That gives me a little burst of energy. So then he goes away. And then the bus comes alongside me again. And same thing. Hey, big man. You want to ride to the finish line? And at that point, I blew up. I was like, why would you ask me this when I'm so close to the finish line? Yeah. Like, I can almost see it. I can hear the people and the music, like, blocks away. Why would you ask me to do this? And he was like, I can't help that you're fat and slow. I'm just trying to help you out. Oh. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? And, you know, I said some choice words to him that I won't say on air. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we had we had some words. And that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth as I continue to finish the finish the race. But for all the listeners listening, like, there's going to be people out there, like, and, and that's why the chapter is the way it's, that's why the first chapter is named the way it is. You versus your mind versus everybody. Because literally when you're out on this road, it's literally you versus the thoughts that's going on in your head. Versus the thoughts of other people, uh, other people of you, versus your thoughts of what other people are also thinking about you. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's so much going on throughout this race and throughout this journey. And one of the things you have to do is be able to ground and center yourself to 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 listen to your heart and not your mind at that moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I read that, I mean, I was getting angry, you know, for you um, because for him to you know, say, oh, it's not my fault, you're slow and fat. I mean, that would have upset me as well. And I can only imagine, you know, what you said uh, to him, but it's one of those things where, you know, the, you know, he's not someone who I would say, even though he was, you know, maybe a volunteer or paid to, to you know, be at that marathon, he's not what I would call, a representation or uh, of the running community, because I think anyone who's truly a you know, part of that community, and it's not everyone, but you know, there are a few ex exceptions, 
is that most of them are going to be very encouraging. They're going to push forward. And with being that close to the finish line, if I was that bus driver, I would be like, I'm not even going to come by this, you know, this guy. I'm not even come by him and give him the chance. He needs to finish this. He's so close. I don't want to tempt him to finish this. And, and sort of kind of, at least I would have been there kind of encouraging him, honking the horn, yelling at him, come on, you got this. Go, 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 you know? And, and even saying, don't get on the bus. You got this, you know? Because that's, I think, what, you know, is really part of, you know, anyone who's really part of the running community would have been that encouraging person. And at the same time, I also, you know, as reading through your books, you know, you're saying that, um, you know, you've had even spectators uh, say things to you, that, you know, that, uh, you know, are rude and, 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 and just, you know, and I just, I don't get that from, you know, from, from individuals and why they're being mean. I've had several other guests that have said, you know, they've, you know, had similar type things where people jump on social media and they'll comment and make some, some sort of, you know, blanket statement based on your physical appearance. Um, and, and that's not who we are as a community. We tend to kind of, uh, help each other out, lift them up, inspire and motivate each other. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that it happens. And even at a race where you think that everyone's going to be supportive, that that's, that was the case. But, uh, you know, so you cross the finish line, you know, you, you had your, your, uh, your, your fiance, now your wife, your mom there, I believe. What was their reaction? And at, through this journey, I mean, you know, you having never, you know, been a runner and all of a sudden you decide, okay, I'm going to start running a marathon. What was, your, what was uh, the reaction from your friends and family as you were doing this? Uh, it was almost unfathomable. Uh, I remember telling my mom, like, hey, I'm about to run a marathon. And she was like, oh, like, how far is that? 26.2 miles. And every time I tell somebody that, they always do the calculation of like, oh, like that's from here to whatever the next town is over. Yeah. <laughs> or they like, say, I wouldn't even drive that? that far. I wouldn't drive that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't even drive that far, let alone do it on my feet. You're doing what? Uh-huh. So that's that's the first stage. And then as you continue to do a couple of them, and then it just becomes like a part of your identity. But initially, it's it's one of those things where people are um like can't even imagine it. And I can I can remember coming back home and family members being like, "Hey, you still doing that running thing?" Like, cause they thought they thought they just thought like it was a one, a and, one done. and done, type yeah, of thing. yeah. And it's like, yep, going to. I remember when I first did my first international race and I was like, yep, going to Berlin to go run the Berlin marathon wow. and then be like, Oh, so I guess this, I guess you are serious about this. huh?" Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we had some friends or I had some friends that also got encouraged and started their own running journey as well. And wanted to be a part of this as well. Cause you know, I've had friends that was like, man, if I would have started when Martina started, I'll be running too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be running eight marathons now. And then it's like, dang, let me go ahead and try to catch up with them. Nice. Well, that's good. I mean, that you were able to, you know, within those that, you know, you know, I, and I do think anyone who's starting out, especially if they're your, your circle of friends and family are not runners, and then you kind of do this, that's sort of kind of like, especially it's, it's not something that you were ever really into and all of a sudden you do it. There's going to be a little bit of disbelief, you know. Um, hopefully they were very supportive, but I think even better that 
you got, you were able to inspire them as well. Not all of them, but some of them to say, yeah, this sounds like something that I want to do as well, that I want to be a part of. And that you've then taken your experience. And that's the whole purpose of this book, right? Is to kind of share your knowledge of, of what you learned along the way of um, encouraging others, but also tapping a little bit into, you know, um, you said the mindset and how they believe in themselves. And, you know, you've got, uh, I wrote down here that uh, practice delusional self-belief. So explain a little bit about that. Oh man, practice delusional self-belief comes from the notion of you have to believe in yourself, regard, you know, in spite of anybody else believing in you or not believing in you. And I, I go into this notion of all of the mo- all of the modern model marvels that we know, somebody had to sit down and be like, hey, I want to create this. Mm-hmm. So I think about like the telephone, I think about the cell phone, I think about the satellites, I think about flying, right? Somebody was at home talking to a friend and being like, you know what? I'm tired of sending these telegrams or I'm tired of sending a pigeon to talk to or send a letter or whatever, whatever. Like, I wish I can just talk to them right now. And I can only yet to believe that somebody else is also there being like, man, what you talking about? That's impossible. You ain't gonna be able to talk to nobody else that's in Atlanta and you here in New York City. Man, if you don't know what that is, send them that letter. So that's the same thing about delusional self-belief is that you're going to have an idea about what you want to do. And there's going to be people that's going to look at you and be like, that's crazy. That is impossible. So that you have to see it so much for yourself that everybody else thinks you're delusional because everything's impossible until it isn't anymore. And the same thing is true for somebody's journey, whether it's fitness or running or anything else in life. It's always going to be impossible. There are people that's always going to have um, their thoughts about you, whether based off of your past actions. Um, and you're going to have to believe in yourself so much that individuals around you are going to think that you're delusional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, I said, I, yeah. And the, the, you know, I, I love how you say that because I think, you know, uh, there's, times when I've done this as well. And I think it also comes a little bit here, you know, cause you've got fear, false evidence appearing real where sometimes not knowing and being a bit ignorant about what you're getting into is probably the best way to, to, to do something. Because I feel that the more you know about how hard it's going to be, the more you know about what, you know, the challenges ahead, the less likely you're, you're going to want to, do that type of, you know, activity. You right. tend to start talking yourself out of it. Um, so there's times where I've signed up for things and I'm like, that sounds kind of cool or that's kind of a cool place to go and do a race. And, and I'm like, I'll sign up for it. And then afterwards I'm like, what did I just do? You know, but I've signed <laughs> up, I've committed to it. And I t- tend right. not to want to do that because I feel like you said, it's, you have this, you know, kind of this insecurity and that you start kind of creating excuses and, and things that you start feeling you know, like, you know, things are, are, are real. And that's one of the things that a quote that you have in your book, it says, remember your thoughts and emotions are not facts. They can be reframed. You can literally train your brain 
In fact, rewire it with positive self-talk and belief in yourself. And I love that because I think it's something that can apply not just to something like a physical activity, but in anything in life. Absolutely. I, I tend to think about thoughts and ideas as like, like a match, let a match. And when it's in its infancy phase, you can just blow it out, right? Mm -hmm. And your job as an athlete or whoever is to then take that match and then provide kindling to it. And then from kindling, now you're adding wood and logs, and now you're trying to make this a fire, like a raging fireball that nobody can come over and just blow it out with one blow. So that's the same thing with, you know, all this stuff, whether it's fear, whether it's delusion of self-belief, all we're trying to do and all I'm trying to do is make sure or provide people with the steps that can take that idea that's a, a lit match and help protect it and then help grow it so it is a raging fireball that nobody else should come over and blow it out. That's awesome. One of the things that I also saw uh, as part of your bio is that you're the uh, global ambassador for Adidas and you've worked with larger companies like Nike, Hoka, Sock, and Mizuno. Mm -hmm. um, you were even on the cover of Runner's World magazine. Um, that's really impressive. I mean, everything you're, that, that you've accomplished, what are some of, the, some of the work that you're doing? Are you in some way working with these brands, uh, helping them with inclusivity and maybe even... Um, working on clothing or, or, you know, um, you know, helping them out with, with some sort of consulting. Yeah. It, it's a mixture of stuff, right? It really depends on the brand no brand basis, but one of the things is helping them realize that, um, elite athlete does not, it, it doesn't have to be, uh, as inspirational as you think it would be. Right. And letting people know that everyday people can be an inspiration to somebody else. Right. Running is the only sport that I know of that you participate on the course uh, in and around the same time as the professional athletes, mm -hmm. right? You can't go on the court and play pickup ball um, on the other basketball rim while LeBron's on the court. Right. You can't go kick a ball around when Ronaldo is on the, on the field. Mm -hmm. But in running, you can go run the same course that Elliot just ran. Mm -hmm. Or Des just ran. And, you know, just letting people know that with this evolving of the population of um, adult onset runners, individuals who picked up running um, during COVID or during the pandemic, even Gen Zs, right? These individuals don't necessarily care about professional athletes or even know their names, right? Like, for example, I just had a friend who started running does not care or do not know the who Elliot is right. or who Des Linden is, but is more inspired from um, somebody that they met on, that they follow on Instagram that looks like them and were able to like run a race. Like that inspires people more yep. and just trying to necessarily change the narrative, but add a, a different, a different thing to the narratives of running in general. Right. Because if we continue to focus strictly on the elite athletes, um, I wholeheartedly believe that this um, this industry, as we know it, is going to continue to shrink. Right. Because Gen Zs do not care about competition. <laughs> they don't care about elitism, right? 
Yeah. They care about being with their friends and having a purpose in meeting. Yeah. In the end, it's, it comes down to the experience, you know, that they're having and why they'll return. And exactly. I think, you know, the, you know, maybe, you know, what gets them inspired or maybe even motivates them to, you know, get into a sport like running is representation and, exactly. and seeing someone that looks like them, you know, uh, you know, then they can potentially picture themselves doing the same thing. Because like I said, as far as the mindset, if they're seeing, you know, some Olympic athlete that, you know, is like, you know, five, two, five, three, weighing 125, 130 pounds, that's not them. And so they're right. not going to associate themselves as a runner, even though, and I, this is something I've, we've said in our store, and I say this to every person that comes into our store and says, well, I'm not a real runner. And the idea, and I love that you put this in the book and, and that you have the definition of run in Merriam-Webster Webster, is that um, it's, you know, running is to go faster than a walk. It's not doesn't say anything about pace, looks, size, or gear, and you know anyone that can move faster than a walk is a runner by definition. And I, I love that you've got that in the book. I hope more people see that and they they, they see themselves um, as runners and they they identify as runners, not based on time, but just based on the fact that they're part of this community and they're willing to participate. Um, and you know, another quote you have on here is that running really running really has nothing to do with a number on a scale or a time on a stopwatch. And I think those are, are great things to kind of remember and consider. I know as I get older, I've kind of let go of time, you know, as what pace or whatever. I'm out there for the fun and the enjoyment of it. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, I hope that, you know, at some point you make a trip down to Atlanta. I would love to have you and maybe kind of host you at one of our stores and, and share a little bit more about uh, your journey and uh, spread, uh, you know, the message that you're spreading so that we can get a lot more uh, individuals, uh, you know, experience the joy of running. Thank you, Dave. Well, I will be at Peachtree. Excellent. Good. Well, then, you know, let's connect and let's see if we can, you know, maybe do something at one of our stores and host you, maybe a, you know, a book signing or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, let's, let's connect. Let's see what we can do for Peachtree. Okay. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, and we'll be right back after this break. Big Pete's now sells bikes at our Brookhaven and Midtown locations. Big Pete's Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more. No matter what you prefer, with brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out the selection of bikes at Town Brookhaven or Midtown, right on Peachtree Street, or view our inventory online at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back, everyone. So I hope that uh, you enjoyed that conversation. Um, he was, uh, man, he, he's just, I, I love his energy um, and the way he wants to kind of share, you know, his experience and really be open and honest about the things that he's kind of overcome and how he's trying to live a, a, a more active lifestyle, but not necessarily focusing on weight loss. And we've had a couple conversations. We had that recently with uh, Marley Blonsky, you know, about, you know, all bodies on bike. And it's not really about, you know, 
changing the way you look. It's not about, you know, uh, losing weight. It's about really enjoying this activity and just trying to do the best that you can in whatever body you're in. And so I really love that about these individuals that I'm, that I'm speaking to because I think we can learn a lot about them and kind of the struggles and you know, that they've got kind of gone through and that, you know, we share a lot of that same type of mental struggle. Um, I know I do. I know it doesn't come easy for me. I think it's something I have to work uh, at. Um, you know, uh, Martin said something about, you know, success in running is 90% mental and 10% physical. And that's a mindset. And I, and I really do believe that, um, you know, it is very, very much a mental part of getting, you know, wrapping your mind around doing something, um, you know, a distance, whatever that distance may be, and then trying to convince yourself um, that you can do it and then committing to that. I mean, that's all mental. And I also, um, you know, the part where you said about, you know, the, you know, the duration of some training programs, and we talked about that a little bit and how do you get started, you know, it's one of those things that I've kind of wondered as well, because for someone that's not that doesn't have a background in running. You know, I look at most, you know, let's say a marathon type of training program. And I've considered this because primarily, you know, that's one of the things I, you know, I've, I've struggled with the marathon and I have typically tried to do these 16 to 18 week training programs. And I never seem like I'm ever, like, I always feel like I'd use more time. Like I'm never really prepared. Like it sort of kind of gets you like almost there. I feel um, and I never get to the point where I'm like, I feel confident on that day that I gave it my all or that I, uh, that I finished feeling strong. I always feel that when I finish a marathon, I feel beat up and I would love to do uh, a marathon and not feel completely spent and just beat up. Like I've been put through the grinder and, and came out, you know, just barely, you know, surviving. And I look at these training programs, like I said, like a marathon at 18 weeks. And I feel like, you know, maybe for those that, um, those of us that don't come from a, a strong running background that we're just getting started, that maybe it should be something, maybe it's, it's 22, 24, 26 weeks. And I mean, 26 weeks is six months, but you know, it's a long time. And maybe someone said, well, maybe that's too long of a time. But I do think that the first few months should be that buildup and that base of getting you to be, to, to that foundation, to be a strong runner to learn how to, you know, the basics of, you know, of maybe running form of getting, you know, of, of, of just building that base of just being comfortable at those shorter distances before you, you know, you're, you're up running, you know, six miles in, in just a matter of weeks. Maybe it should take, you know, two months to, before you get up to six miles, um, so it's just something I've been thinking about because it's something that I feel like, you know, as I'm kind of going through and I'm, I've got a marathon coming up, you know, here and it's, you know, at elevation, you know, like, as I've mentioned in the podcast before, I'm doing Leadville and it's been, I mean, it's, you know, the race is here in, uh, June 17th and I've been sort of kind of have been training for it for almost six months by the time the race day comes because I will have been doing these longer runs and sort of kind of doing these um, where I kind of ramp up to a, a larger, you know, higher, uh, you know, mileage to where I'm hitting, you know, anywhere from 15, 17, 19 miles and then sort of kind of drop back down to 10, just sort of kind of build up and slowly increase my distances with the objective of, I should be able to finish that, that marathon and especially at elevation without 
feeling like I got beat up um, and feel confident and strong at the start line because that's the hardest part. And I think if I can get my mindset to feel that way, then the race will be that much better for me and, and truly enjoy that experience. So just something to think about, you know, if you're tackling something, it's like maybe give yourself a little bit extra time. Maybe whatever your training program you're looking at, um, whether it's a 5K or something, give yourself a couple of uh, weeks um, beforehand to get started to get to that point to where you're ready to start that program or customize a program to where it it allows you to have the confidence to, um, to uh, you know, uh, to feel like you're strong and that you can actually accomplish something because like I said, the mindset, the idea of being consistent and, you know, of knowing that you can put in the time, put in the effort and, and just be consistent with it with things like, you know, strength training or stretching and all the other things that allow you to become that stronger runner. Um, I think are, you know, as important, if not even more important, because I think that's what allows us not to get injured, allows us to recover faster because we've put all that um, preparation in before we actually get to the actual training program. Part of it, we've already kind of built those healthy habits. And I think we as runners tend to not do that. We jump into running because it's so easy and so quick to kind of jump in and saying, well, it's just, you know, shoes and you just step out the door and run that we forget about the other part of it that, um, like I said, the strength training that allows us to become stronger, that improves, you know, um, you know, our experience that, you know, prevents injury, um, you know, stretching that does the exact same thing, helps with recovery as well as, as injury. And I think if we can get in the habit of doing that before we actually jump into running, that we could reduce the injuries and we can increase the enjoyment of running because we already have those healthy habits in mind um, as part of our, our program. So it's like I said, maybe I'm rambling a little bit, but I just, I, I love talking to individuals like this that are taking, looking at things from a completely different perspective. And, uh, and that always kind of keeps me interested and, and, and sort of kind of like open to new ideas as far as training. So thank you so much for joining, um, and, uh, and listening. So until next time, keep running, keep riding and keep believing yourself. See ya. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.